overwhelm. Bretto, it is perhaps the number one challenge our Wellness Couch listeners face. It's also the number one reason why many listeners can't get to our live events. Well, we have listened to our listeners and we are putting on our first online event, Release Your Overwhelm. So exciting, MP. Put Saturday, November 23 in the calendar. Log in from your phone or your TV or your laptop anywhere in the world and tune in to... Kim Morrison. Brett Hill. Marcus Pierce. Wendy Stewart. And Jason Witten. Release your overwhelm about time, relationships, money, your body, and most importantly, you. Access is just $10 and available at releaseyouroverwhelm.com. Book in now at releaseyouroverwhelm.com. It's time to be the queen of your stress. With the Queen of Stress, Dr. M. Hey there, BQS listeners, and welcome to today's episode. I'm Dr. M, and this podcast is designed to help inspire change in how you see, manage, and use your stress. So you can be the queen of your stress, not your stress being the queen over you. In today's episode, I'm very excited to be continuing the Q&A session that I recorded with the amazing Dr. Damien Christoph. For those of you who've been following along on the BQS journey, you would have known that we actually had a live event in Shell Harbour in October 2019, that we were inundated with so many questions at the end of said live workshop that uh, Dr. Damien and I decided that the best way to answer all of those questions was to record a podcast that we could release over uh, over the five episodes that will be getting released over the BQS network. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. It is part two of what will be a five-part series of all the questions and our answers to those various questions from our Head, Heart and Gut First workshop in Shell Harbour uh, in October 2019. For those of you who are not familiar with the amazing Dr. Damien Christoph, he's an amazing naturopath, nutritionist, and an amazing chiropractor. He is a regular on Triple M in Melbourne. He has had his own television show called Downsize Me. He is the co-founder of The Wellness Couch, which is an amazing podcast channel, which is the channel that BQS is currently hosted on. He does a plethora of other things as well, and he's an all-round great guy, and I'm very, very blessed to call him one of my dear, dear friends. So enjoy today's episode. It is the the second part of our five-part series of our Q&A special from Head, Heart, Gut First. I wanted to ask you a question about just coming back to the keto um, because there was a couple of follow-up questions that I had on the evening regarding that and, and one was around the sharpness of mind and clarity when people are in ketosis um, because that sharpness gets a bit addictive. I know I've been there before when I've been in full-blown ketosis and, and the what feels like that mental clarity. Um, it's it's quite unique if people have ever experienced it. And I was having a conversation with one of get the guests there the other night, and uh, he was mentioning how he loves that so much, and he can't imagine why you wouldn't want that effectively by then dropping out of keto. Does that make sense? I think it made sense in my head. Hopefully, that makes sense. <laughs> well, it does. Well, that that sharpness and acuity um, is very addictive, but you don't necessarily lose that when you're yeah. in ketosis either mm-hmm. so there is a feeling that you go off oh, of achieving it's kind of like when you're doing a detox you go oh my gosh i feel so good on this deep you go vegan oh vegan's the best thing ever you know you become a little bit evangelist about it because mm-hmm. you do feel the benefit of it but you don't have to lose those benefits either so if you're putting back into the body appropriate types of carbohydrate rich nutrient dense foods um, then you won't lose that acuity you'll actually feel quite good you'll feel mm. fine. 
And then the other question that came around, that was around the microbiome, and, and you and I had had a very interesting conversation. It's actually a year ago today that uh, I went to Bali. And uh, before I went to Bali, BQS listeners might have heard this story before. 100 not out listeners probably wouldn't have a clue what I'm about to talk to. So a bit of a backstory. Mm-hmm. I've been to Bali four times now, and four times I have had Bali belly very, very badly. And on the fourth time I had rung, I was going to a particular seminar that was on and uh, over the previous 18 months, I dropped a lot of kilos uh, and had really cleaned up what I was doing from a nutrition wise. I dropped about 30 kilos and I rang Damien eight weeks before, probably about six weeks before I went and said, DK, I'm going back to Bali. Your first response was what the hell's happened in your life that you're going back to Bali because you promise you know, you've sworn that you're never going back there. Um, but when I said, oh, surely because my gut is cleaner, I'm not going to have the same response. And your response back to me was, oh, no, you're going to have a bigger response. What's more likely to happen is you. And, and you were quite right. I still, whilst I did all the pre-work, I still got quite sick while I was over there. So can you explain a little bit about that for people that might be wondering? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, when you starve the microbiome of fuel, um, when you actually, you know, pair it back, that your bacteria um, lose a a very important nutrient source and that's short-chain fatty acids. So not short-chain fatty acids, resistant starch, and they make uh, short-chain fatty acids from the digestion of resistant starch. When you take starch out of the diet, for example, rice, banana, pasta, you know, different types of grains um, and and guar gum, you take those out of the diet, beans and legumes, you lose like the strength of your microbiome. And some of the bacteria that will grow and flourish and protect your immunity and you from parasites actually disappear. They drop off um, or they recede because there's no fuel for them or you start to digest mucus uh, from your intestines or digest human DNA or protein, um, which would be your lines. To uh, to stay alive, so they or they might start to you know digest protein, which of course you know increase, increases the amount of ammonia or it increases urea or uric acid and all of that. There's a whole lot of metabolic process in place, but there's an adaption phase of the bacteria to the reduction fuel available um, to them from change in diet. So the types of bacteria that flourish are the ones that live on protein, and generally they're awful bacteria. Um, I'm saying generally because there are some healthier that live on protein. And then those bacteria that are starving will mucus. Um, and the mucus is really important for the protection of gut. So in actual fact, you increase the inflammatory component of the gastrointestinal system. You might have potentially less inflammation circulating through the body and, and, and your bowels might feel like they're improving the long-term net effect. You're, you're kind of weakening your gastrointestinal system mm-hmm. plus you're not enabling those sorts of bacteria that would influence the system in such a way that you could improve your to your environment. You're actually decreasing your resistance to your environment through uh, the starvation of some bacteria. So, you know, keep your proteins important, but also keep your beneficial carbs up. So, yes, plant-based fruits, vegetables, salads, that's that's got to be your, uh, your staple. That's, that's your foundation for the plate of food, but also on different types of plant-based carbohydrates would be also beneficial. As I said, rice, banana, Mm. pasta, potato, all that sort of thing, that's beneficial. So when you've got the right fuel there, you've got the right bugs, 
And when the right bugs are there, you get protected. If you don't have the right bugs, it's really hard to get protected. So your response was significant mm. because the invaders will come in and they'll, you know, they'll do what they're going to. Well, they, cer- they certainly did that for me, that's for sure, while I was there. That was, that's a story <laughs> for another time. My poor best mate, Andrew, that was uh, staying with me in Bali because uh, I was, had such bad fevers, I didn't realise how hot the room actually was but anyway that's a whole nother that's a whole oh, nother story jeepers. we oh, like walking in the room and getting punched in the face with pretty, me pretty pretty much but as i said that that can be another podcast <laughs> episode what? king hit definitely definitely whilst we're sort of on this topic i think it's a, one of the questions that came up was uh, thoughts on fasting because i think it kind of bookends the nicely into this particular conversation around keto because often they go hand in hand yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, there's this perception that you've got to put the body under stress all the time. But you think about uh, fasting and the moment the then to keep on going uh, if you are fasting is to either liberate fuel that you've stored or to liberate enzymes, oh, sorry, um, hormones uh, that would keep you going. So fuel that you might have stored could be fat or triglyceride. But if you're pretty lean, um, or you're having a fast and you're breaking your fast with coffee, or, then you're actually uh, having false I don't false know anybody that would do that. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I do. I and do too. And so if you, you've, uh, you've, if you've shaken your head at me before watching me do it. <laughs> a number of times. <laughs> but when you do that, actually, um, you start to run on hormones. So you run on and, and then subsequently cortisone. Uh, or cortisol, and that's an anti-inflammatory, anti-growth hormone kind of approach to do it. Now, you need some kind of inflammation, but uh, when your cortisol levels, you know, start to deplete because you, you, know, you, you, you now, because you, if your cortisone levels are up high or cortisol levels are up high for your time, your immune system is suppressed. And so it, eventually your body's going to go, hang on a second, we've got to still manage infection. So at some point, it'll just shut the adrenal glands down. So many people will call that adrenal fatigue. Not that I'm saying that fasting will give you adrenal fatigue because I know I would have thought that when I said that. But that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if you do fasting and then come out of your fast without you know, if you come out of your fast with a, a low-calorie drink that stimulates the adrenal glands like coffee for, mm. uh, or tea, then you go into a stress-related, um, I suppose, you have energy burst. But it's it's really just you're running on hormones, on fuel. And and that in itself is actually quite challenging to the body. And long-term net effect of that is poor immunity, you know, decreased detoxification. Um, and detoxification often is revealed in the health yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So it's always good to be wary of that one. What are your thoughts then if people are fasting and they're doing things like bulletproof coffees as their morning fast to stay in that state? Yeah, look, so Asprey, um, I don't think it's a good idea. But I, um, you know, some people do it, some people swear by it, and people call me a heretic for saying that. <laughs> it's, um, it's, you know, it's not based on a belief system, it's just based on the science. You know, you yeah. just don't want to do that. You know, you just don't want to do that to your body. Um, and... Let's be honest, like those countries in the world who have cultures of centenarians who live longest on the planet aren't doing biohacks having bulletproof coffee. So mm. it's, that's, that's not the way to live a long time. Mm. You may sharpen your acuity, um, but that's not long-term. You may uh, lose some weight, but that's also not long-term. It's really just a, a way to which you'd hack 
the system and, and I don't like hack the system. Mm. Use the system properly, hey, in the first place. Exactly. Work mm. with it. Yeah, yeah, the body's amazing. Well, one of the questions I think that leads us beautifully in is somebody asked us on the night how long you can stay in a stress state and uh, I loved your answer on the night and we, we dove a little bit deeper into what actually creates longevity in all of the people that you and MP have interviewed over the years on 100 Not Out. So I'm going to ask that question again is how long can you stay in a stress state for? Uh, and then we're going to talk perhaps uh, if you could speak a little bit to what the common themes are with people that ling- live a long time but have been under a shitload of stress in their lifetime. <laughs> I know. Well, I spoke about um, some of the people that we've interviewed in Australia who've lived a long time, and a lot of those people that have lived a long time had significant traumas. And some of those people uh, can work, uh, but they are survivors of the Holocaust. Mm. You know, you can't think of much of a, a worse time in the history of the world than a war and a war where there's been genocide um, or in this case the Holocaust was mm. just horrendous. So, so to have survived that, that's enormous mess. But some of these people have lived, you know, beyond 100 years uh, even having survived that enormous amount of stress. It's not that stress is necessarily bad because stress right, encourages your body to get through stuff. Stress makes you stronger. Stress will, you know, improve your overall health and be well. But you've kind of got to manage how long it's there for, and then manage the of it. So you're looking at your symptoms to see whether or not stress is having a negative on your body. So you think about your gastrointestinal function, whether or not you burn heartburn or indigestion. You've got diarrhea, undigested food in the stool. Um, you're looking at sweat patches. Do you still sweat? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you turning? Do you grind your teeth? Are you snoring? Looking at all those sorts of things, whether or not stress is actually having a negative impact on your body. So, you know, people who live a long time have had stress, but they probably haven't really hung on to it. In fact, in many cases, they're champions at forgiveness. Mm. Um, so it's how long do you want to hang on to that stress for is the question. Uh, is how long is it possible to be stressed for and still live a long time? Mm. Try and let go of the stress as quickly as you can. Um, and don't get, you know, buy it. And really when it comes down to that longevity is that you, you gentlemen speak about a couple of key areas in terms of that engagement and movement and purpose, yes? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, in every case where we've spoken to somebody who celebrate longevity, in every single case, uh, food hasn't really featured as a main thing. They often say, oh, I eat or I have, you know, I eat, Lots of vegetables. I, you know, eat three square meals a day, and I really enjoy my water. So there might be things like that, but it's not like every single person is having, you know, kale smoothies and smashed avocado with two poached every single day. It's kind of it's not that. It's that the three mains, which Marcus and I talk about all the time, the three main things that live a long time, um, probably also reduce the impacts on your body. One of them is movement. Uh, and we spoke on the night about movement um, and how that actually down-regulates the stress response. This is the effect of stress by 50, up to 50%. Um, the other one would be having a purpose. So getting out of bed, like what? why would you get out? So that's your purpose. And the other one is engagement. So, you know, ensure you're in and around your community, in and around your family, having conversations, still brain, all those sorts of things. Those three things are the the quintessential reasons why people live a long time. So we're talking mm. um, purpose, engagement, and movement. They're the things that you 
And that's it for the second instalment of our five-part series of Q&A with the amazing Dr. Damien Christoph. To find the amazing Damien, you can find him on drdamienchristoph.com or on 100 Not Out, which is his podcast with the amazing Marcus Beers. For those of you who want to join our BQS movement, make sure you pop that in the search bar of Facebook and you'll be able to request to join our closed Facebook group. And to be able to do your eight ball quiz, make sure you jump onto www.thequeenofstress.com. That's it for this week, BQS listeners. Bye for now and I'll catch you next time. Well, that's it for today's podcast, BQS listeners. Thanks again for joining us. Remember, if you would like to subscribe, make sure you hit subscribe on iTunes. And if you want to stay in touch, check out our Facebook page, The Queen of Stress, or on our Insta, The Queen of Stress. For more information and show notes, be sure to go to thequeenofstress.com to continue our journey together. Hope you have a fabulous week and I'll catch you next time. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.